Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Not Bad for a Number 5 Driver. That given to us by Anton Beal on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. Welcome to this Spanish Grand Prix race review. I am joined by a panel of esteemed guests, foremost of which is Matt Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? That's going fairly well. Did you say Spanish or Spanish? Spanish Grand Prix. Why is that? Because you're Spanners, so I was making a joke. It's quite close, those two words. I see what you did there. Wow, wordplay. That is how grammar school of you, Matt. Yes, well, I have to live up to the uh, approximate emotional age my wife has assigned to me, and I like to do that as often as possible. Yeah, it's it's a dad curse that you are forced to call out any puns that you see. Uh, good afternoon of F1 for me, Matt. I, I did my normal pre-race ritual. The, the house was empty, so it was extra good. I turned the TV up super loud, loud enough to uh, annoy the neighbours, but my wife wasn't there to stop me. My favourite F1 cushion, I put my favourite F1 cushion on the floor, and I rearranged the sofa so that I'm like half the distance to the TV as normal, and then I'm sat at the floor... So that sat on the floor so that the TV is like a giant cinema screen in my face. My entire world, my visual audio world is Formula One. Uh, Sit down and watch the Spanish Grand Prix and enjoyed it. Enjoyed two hours of television viewing. Pretty standard Barcelona Grand Prix. And then I ruined it all by going on the internet and everyone saying it was terrible and boring and the worst thing ever. I'm not saying it was a, a thriller. I'm not saying it was a modern classic. Just saying I enjoyed the telly today. That's fine. Did you have any shouty bits? I, I always wonder that when Ooh. people watch, like, like, because I have so much going on. Mm. I rarely get emotionally agitated just because I've got three different streams of information coming into my head at all times. But did you have any properly shouty bits this time around? No, I don't think I did. I, I got sort of, I did, I, maybe a little bit with the racing point battles, but everything kind of worked out like it was supposed to today. So there wasn't that big kind of shouty, shouty moment. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I was missing that. but. If we're yelling at the screen all the time, then doesn't that mean that we're just yelling at normal things? 
Uh, perhaps. Although I was sensing a merchandising opportunity. We should make foam Mist Apex bricks for you to chuck at the TV when the bad thing happens. Or we can make Mist Apex t-shirts with slogans on the back for your significant others, like, leave me alone, it's normal to shout at the telly when F1 is on, please, please let me have this one thing in my joyless workaday life. Leave me alone, I know what I'm shouting. <laughs> That's the one! That's what we'll do. <laughs> so we're going to have a, a fun race review, as always, and we'll even talk a little bit about, you know, expectations for races and why I'm perhaps a little bit at odds, or I felt at odds when I went on the internet and everyone was saying they had a terrible time and I had a nice time. I, I asked around quickly, you know, I phoned Summers. I uh, asked you guys in, in our WhatsApp chat. I asked on the Slack group. And uh, I think I've identified some reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm probably half a step out of touch. You know, I'm getting on a bit now. Uh, and, uh, and why uh, perhaps sometimes the internet melts down when we don't have a modern classic. So during the course of this race... I'm going to give you some opinions, and you can get as angry with me as you like. So don't panic. The, uh, the panel will routinely, will routinely disagree with me. So I will say that Perez outperformed Stroll today. Someone on the panel is definitely going to shout at me. Vettel showed him. That's my opinion of Vettel this week, and he would have beaten Leclerc. Albon got lapped, and it's not good. And I'm going to say that it's Magnussen's fault. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And sometimes we're wrong about being first. But we are not just me and Matt. We are also joined all the way from Seattle by Nick Numbers Alexander. Hello, Nick. It's been a while. I, it has been a while. I missed you terribly. I am so happy to be back. If you were of a, of a different kind of personality, I would have felt enriched by that. But because you're quite dry, it almost sounded like an insult. I have missed you terribly. I am glad to be back. Yeah, back again. Boring race. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, it's good to be back. I, I meant it sincerely. Why don't you ever come on for the exciting races, Nick? Well, um... It depends on how you define exciting, because it seems like for a very long time, if my favorite driver suffered misfortune, you found that exciting and I got to come on the show. I, I, your pain made me feel better. So that's how that works. In any case, Nick, good luck on your Missed Apex debut. Don't be nervous. It's just like a normal conversation. You know, if it, if it goes wrong, it's my fault. That's true. You can do it. You can do this. I believe in you, Nick. And also joining us is our race analyst. Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? It's going all right. Is I it? enjoyed today, especially I enjoyed the race today, especially because I got the house to myself. So I didn't have small people yeah. yelling at me saying, Oh, racing cars, can we turn it off? No, I loved it today. I thought it was great fun. Had lots going on, lots to watch, lots to mm. analyze. And um yeah, I really enjoyed today. I thought it was good. Do, do you know what? It does help having no family in the house. I was the same as you. I had the house to myself. I had a like a can of a can of light beer as well, and yeah, I could just sit there and just absorb the day with no distract with no um, distractions. And it was kind of like I treated it almost like a cinema experience. You know, it wasn't yeah. a um, it wasn't Rambo seventeen. It was more I don't know uh, Elmo's fire, St Elmo's fire. But I don't know. The thing that I normally get is because I've normally got the iPad out with the live timing on it, which for a race like today, the live timing is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I've normally got the kids trying to steal the iPad to watch Peppa Pig. So <laughs> being able to not have to uh, defend 
the iPad and put it on the back of the sofa and then on the side and then in various different places really, really helped. Um, but no, we've got, we've got a lot to talk about today. I think a lot actually yeah. happened in this race and, um, maybe some people did miss, miss bits, which is why they didn't like it, but it was, it was a Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, no, no, absolutely sure. We, we will we will dissect the you know the post mortem on the Spanish Grand Prix later in the race. But let let's start uh, with the race and let's start even before the beginning, Matt. Um, the, the 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 practice sessions themselves were were kind of kind of work a day. There was not much really to to write home about, and even qualifying didn't quite blow up. I beg your pardon, Romain Grosjean and. <laughs> fifth place that's nothing to talk about that's unheard of what on earth was going on with haas that they were suddenly really fast on friday when normally as we know and like look i i don't want to hold it against them (laughs) they have basically said we're just not going to spend any money this year and see what happens is that what that's exactly what they've done and they've gotten exactly the kinds of results you would expect a team doing that to get so i think they're hitting the bar they set for themselves which is exceedingly low but suddenly they turn up and they're like in fifth place yeah, but that didn't translate to Saturday. Because, and I think this is hilarious, they had to replace Grosjean's power unit overnight. And they even had to break curfew because there was a leak after they replaced it. And when he drove it out on the track the next morning, the car was perfectly ordinary, which sets you up to believe that perhaps Ferrari changed it because a broken Ferrari power unit being faster than a non-broken Ferrari power unit would look bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just maybe off-brand for them to be fast at anything at this point. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. I don't know, Matt. I just I know like you and other Americans would be. You know, the expectation has been really high, but them, you know, and Alfa Romeo have taken a big hit with this Ferrari power unit. I've just parked all expectations for those three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that I do believe they understand the car this year. Like the problem mm. they had last year, I think they have solved it based on what I've seen. Even with the Ferrari power unit, it looks like they have a much better grasp of getting race pace out of the car. And it's just a shame they don't have, um, you know, a Mercedes yeah. in the back to actually make them go faster. Yeah, we definitely won't talk about the 19th and last place running track that Grosjean ended up in. But uh, let's move over to Nick Numbers Alexander. Where's your Ferrari shirt, Nick? What's, what's going on? I don't, I, this is part of the debut, I guess, where I say that I, I did for exit. We we're we're done. Um, still pulling for Vettel today. Happy with that result. But, uh, I mean, I can't, I cannot subject myself to any more pain. Okay. I, I, I suffered through, yeah. through several years of thinking that, you know, Vettel would get to fulfill his childhood dream mm. and be the one to ultimately, uh, unseat mercedes as as the champions uh and i just i can't i can't do it anymore i can't so basically what you're saying is uh you know he's he's iron man vettel's iron man and ferrari is thor's hammer and he's just not worthy to pick it up and you're sick of him tugging at that hammer that's was that terrible what i said at all i think the analogy would be that the hammer is actually doesn't work fair fair enough yeah it was it's a terrible hammer but you are if even if you've forexited you are still a Germanophobe, a germophile. You are a, a Deutschophile. You're a Deutschophile still. Yeah, your sure, your wife yes. is German. Is that is that right? A German speaker? Not at all. No, no, she's American. So I've got that wrong completely. Uh, I had that. Oh, no, I've met her. I've met her, and she's definitely not German. But you are a Sebastian Vettel fan, and uh, I have to say, yes. you know, he's coming under a lot of stick for his ultimate pace. And when he went out in Q2, people were still giving him stick. But the lap time showed he was only a whisper off Leclerc which, you know, it's not bad for a number two driver. 
Yeah, so uh, Stuart Neal in the chat is asking if I will migrate my support to Aston Martin uh, if Vettel goes there. And yes, I will uh, most probably do that. Um, but yeah, he was, I, I don't remember how far he off, how far off he was from Leclerc in the end, uh, maybe a tenth and a half or so, but he was only 0. 0.002 from making it to qualifying three, which, you know, is quite a lowered expectation from every other year before this, but it still does look like an improvement with the, with the new chassis. And, uh, ultimately I was impressed with what he was able to do. I would say all by himself out on the track today. Uh, okay. Sorry. Did you say? chassis yeah, what would you call it well i would call it what it's called i would call it the the new chassis that he got chassis chassis yeah say it with me oh, like like chassis. like like schedule yeah exactly okay do you know i'm so confused between schedule and schedule i don't even know which one is correct anymore van jean um first of all i still don't agree with um nick moving from ferrari because that's what we call in when you talk about football that's called being a glory hunter mm. the fact that you've moved from ferrari because they're not doing well anymore and you've now moved over to red bull stinks of glory hunter but we'll let you off maybe i don't know i still enjoyed the taking the mick out of ferrari but um no vettel definitely seemed a little bit better today and in the race he if the race was about 10 laps shorter he'd have pulled off a Leclerc today of stealthily finding his way near the front. But um, unfortunately, the, the tires went off. But I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So I have many things I would like to say <laughs> about Vettel. Uh, I will maintain that he had the superior strategy today, uh, starting on the medium tire. But are we sure that Nick has enough tokens to switch teams, Spanners? Oh, that that is that's a good point because you actually you switched to Red Bull initially, and then I'm sure you came back to Ferrari at the end of last season. You may have used up all your fan tokens, Nick. We'll we'll put it to the stewards, and if you don't like the answer, you can appeal endlessly in a painful and pitiful uh process of desperation instead of just improving your own performance. That's not a reference to anything else. Let's move on to the race. It was. I was lying. It was a reference to the team's continuing to protest racing point. Ah, there, got that out of my system. This is the part of the show where we turn to Matt Trumpets as the, as the podcast elder, as the, you know, in the Mist Apex village, you get the most feathers in your hat, Matt. And when you speak, everybody gathers around and everybody says, guys, guys, the village elder is talking. Everybody gather in a circle. And listen to Matt Trumpets as he tells us where the race was won and lost. And in my head, I'm thinking, and then we laugh quietly behind his back after he falls asleep halfway through the TV show. But whatever, I'm here. I have my opinions about where the race was won and lost. And I think we really have to look at Lance Stroll. And specifically, the start of the race in Lance Stroll, where he gained how many positions and crucially put himself ahead of Valtteri Bottas into turn one, sent him wide. Perez was in front of him for a bit. And by time he got back around, by time he got back around Stroll, he'd lost 10 seconds to Max Verstappen up the road. Now, there's a couple of other important facts here. One is that Max stayed pretty close to Lewis until for four straight laps in a row, Lewis turned fast lap, put him four yes. seconds behind. Yeah. And Botas at that point had made up half the deficit. But it's also important to know that by time Max actually pitted and they kept him out that long because the racing points were in his pit window, by time they pitted, he was in undercut range of Verstappen. But Mercedes chose not to do that. They kept him out for another few laps. So I'm going to stop there because it looks like Nick had a comment. 
No, he was just scratching his nose. But I have a comment. I have a okay. comment, which is, you know, I think, I think your assessment of that is is correct. At the moment, it looks oh, like well, thank you. only, I'm, I'm throwing your bone so I can later disagree know, with I you know. and people won't think that I'm just doing it just to hurt you. But it, it is it is fair to say that there's there's three guys really in contention for race wins at the moment. And that is uh, Lewis, uh, Valtteri and Max. I call them by their first names because uh, I'm super familiar and they're my bezies. And Stroll took one of those guys out. And I think, um, Alex, I don't know if this is unfair. I, I think Bottas's ability to beat Hamilton is really kind of a small overlapping Venn diagram. So we've got Hamilton's ability to win on one side, a big circle, and Vettas, uh, Vettas, Bottas has got a smaller circle, which just slightly encroaches Lewis's circle. And everything's got, got to kind of work out perfectly. He's got to get ahead. Uh, he's got to be ahead by either out-qualifying or jumping him at the start. And then something's got to happen to Lewis to stop him doing the normal tactic of making Bottas wear out, wear out his tyres, uh, doing an overcut, and then having fresher tyres at the end. Basically, as Matt says, Stroll going in there and, and taking away Bottas's teeth almost immediately took Bottas's win Venn diagram out of the Lewis win circle. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, even if uh, he hadn't got passed by both racing points, um, he still he had only got passed by Max. That was it. He was never going to win that race today. Um, because as you say, he can only win if he qualifies on pole and gets to turn one first. Yeah, he, he, that's, his only, yeah. that's his only chance. And the fact that Lewis might not be quite on it that particular day. Is, um, and it, it's it's quite telling you know i mean i can sit here and i'm ham focusing whatever <laughs> but but prove me wrong show me when he hasn't then those things kind of haven't happened and it's really really telling and uh, nick nick it's not unfair is it that you know we never see bottas he's he's behind he never really charges through the field puts that pressure on hamilton forces an error and then cruises past Exactly. I I wanted to jump in because I, I wanted to agree with you guys wholeheartedly. And maybe that isn't the most interesting thing. And sometimes we <laughs> yeah. we argue for the sake of argument and then we get nasty fan mail about how, like, how could somebody really take that position? And it's like, well, somebody had to. <laughs> but in, in defense of, of you two ham you're actually absolutely spot on. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. These two cars are in a league of their own. They're out front, one, two or two, one, whichever way. And if Hamilton's behind, he has so many chances yeah. to do something. And Bottas only has the one play, it seems. And there's also the problem that Bottas doesn't seem to want to overtake. He won't take that risky move. <sighs> it took him, yeah. took him so long to get past Stroll. And the first time that he got DRS, just send it. You've got the better car. They have a Merck engine in the back of it, so they will give you room. Just send it. But he didn't. He waited a whole nother lap and lost a whole mm. nother second because he wasn't quite certain the overtake would be absolutely perfect and then just waited for a complete clear DRS pass. And while I don't with, wish to disagree with any of you, and in fact, I'm not really. I'm just saying it that way yeah. so people will think I might be. Ooh. What was crucial about it was not that it took Botas out of potentially winning, because I think we could look at how Lewis drove today and see that he never really had a chance to begin with, but it did absolutely make it impossible for him to even fight for second position. Yeah. And that's why that move was so crucial. That's why I didn't even bother to talk about Max. And going back to what you said, it's not just that, but he left that width on the inside. For Stroll yeah. to drive into. There was a whole mm. car's width on the inside that Stroll could drive into. If he'd been even half a car over, 
Stroll would have had to go around to his other side where Verstappen already was, and he would have been able to establish the same advantage that Stroll had through turns one and two and put him wide in turn three. Uh, yes, I think you're right. Now, look, we've identified, I've identified a few people this season who seem to be quite timid on, on the starts. And Bottas is certainly one of them. Perez actually is a, another one who will uh, you know, not leave his nose in at the start, would rather give up a couple of places. Uh, and actually Hamilton sometimes as well. But this is twice now, Alex, we've seen it. We, we saw it into Abbey uh, at Silverstone and we've seen it here today where he has, he's almost invited the overtake. And once it's got side by side, He's just allowed that lap one, you know, that lap one pass. There's there's no aggression in him. Mm. And that's the problem. You need a little bit of aggression. It's like when um, Stroll got his, what was an electric start. Yeah, it was great. Um, he, Bottas saw Stroll going into a gap that was partly on the grass and gave him the room. He moved to the left. If he, Bottas had stayed where he was, Stroll wouldn't have got past, but he moved over and gave Stroll the room. Otherwise, Stroll would have been on the grass. And I'm just like, Max wouldn't do that. Would Lewis do it? Lewis is the difference is, is when you're in a title winning contention, yeah. um, you make different decisions. So it's like if we get a dogfight between Max and Lewis this year, I think Max will win it. Not because he's the better driver, because Lewis will go, do you know what, kid? You can have a couple. You can have seven points because I'd rather I'd rather yeah. keep my points than have a fight. Nick, right? So um, Stroll started the race in in fifth, and, and Botas in second. So Stroll was two rows back, and he was on the other side. So the question for Alex is: It, it sounds like you've had a good look at Valtteri's on board. I mean, would he have really been able to to see Lance coming from from across and two rows back? He's got mirrors, but he did move. Lance, the, the, the footage is Lance goes way across the right-hand side and Bottas moves left. So all I can say is he's given the room. Yeah. So what I want to add is, first of all, in an unrelated note, Norris was the other one yeah. who really did not get off to a super great start. He lost two places. But I don't think, Nick, it's even down to that. I think it's if you're at the start of a race, why are you leaving room for a car to get around you uh, to the side that you're not looking when you have that option? It, to me, that's what uh, that's what I'm getting at. And especially at Spain, where it's notoriously difficult yeah. to overtake. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we need to acknowledge that, that Stroll did have a, a lightning start, just got away from the line really well. And, uh, and, and then when he had the opportunity to go past, he stuck it, saw the gap that Bottas left him, and then, and then went all the way around. And also, you know, we'll get to it a little bit later in the race as well, also fended off his teammate who clearly wanted him to get past. Um, and then the only thing that stopped him finishing above Perez, probably on position, uh, was some slight differences in skill set that, that Perez has. But let's get back to where the race was won and lost up front. So now we are, realistically, we're left with with Lewis versus Verstappen. And um, I, I, love, I loved your comment earlier when you were basically saying, so Hamilton was only just ahead of Max, Essentially, until he didn't want to be anymore. And then and then he just went away. He seems to just pull a second at will. And that is when that is when Verstappen started getting a little bit desperate, a little bit uh, irritated on the radio. He can see Verstappen, uh, he can see Hamilton going ahead. When he tries to keep up, his tires that were fine, now suddenly they're not biting where he wants to because he's having to push. And we heard a very different Max Verstappen on the radio than we did in Silverstone when everything was going well and he had all the ties in the world and the Mercs were falling apart and it was all jokes. Now he's like, 
these tires are not good enough to catch Hamilton. Give me, give me better tires. And whilst we thought it was like super clever last week, when uh, when the team were going, no, no, hold back, hold back, save your tires, hold back. We thought that was clever. It was a genius move, um, and it worked out well. When he said, "No, I want to attack this time around," you know, he was arguing with the team again. But I'm not. I'm not sure he was correct this time, Matt. No, it, it was kind of funny. Although I will hand it to him. His very first comment uh, when his race engineer came out and said, "Oh, we're closing the gap to the Mercedes in front," he, his reply yeah. was, "No, <laughs> Hamilton is driving really slow." And he wasn't wrong about that. But yeah. I will say that being right last week at Silverstone has unleashed Max's inner strategist. And it may not be in Red Bull's long-term interest no. to let it continue to be that way. Because he was like, give me new tires now. I can pass both racing points with ease. All I need is new tires. And they're like, oh, Max, oh. I think we'd really rather get you out in front of them and not have you have to pass them. I know it feels yeah. like you're losing lots of time to Hamilton, but... We're doing some mass back here, and uh, it's not looking pretty if we do it the way you want. Van Jean, at Alex Van Jean on Twitter. And now you're basically a Twitter celebrity. You've passed 1,000 Twitter followers. You made it. Congratulations. Uh, on Woohoo! Yeah, there you go. And now you've got a really long, laborious wait to get a next significant figure. It takes forever. Or maybe it's I'm all just... right. My next significant figure is getting to 100 on <laughs> YouTube. I would so look for me on YouTube, subscribe, and click the bell. But, right, okay. Don't subscribe to Alex Van Jean on YouTube because he streams me drunkenly playing video games where I suddenly get... Which will be after this. But You're get... coming online and playing... Oh, no, you've got, a, you've got a podcast thing. Me and Danny Henney are going to be on I um, will. I will this. get on after I do the edit. But I suddenly get transported back in time. I'm 25-year-old Corporal Spanners and I'm, like, going down in prone position. I'm on the floor of my living room. And, and it was your mate... It was our mate, Danny, who turned around and went, are you lying on the floor of your real-life living room? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I've taken this too far. And he called you Ram. <laughs> that that's a compliment he called you I... Rambo the problem is this conversation now made me forget my point yeah no me too um, yeah we were talking about what were we talking about I think it was F1 I think it was the Spanish Grand Prix maybe <laughs> uh, but Max Verstappen we, we can't now uncork the bottle where he made that great call and overrid the team and the team are all happy to like obviously soak that in and be like oh yeah Verstappen true team leader and he really showed something special last week I'm not taking that against him but they're going to have now the same problem that some teams have had with Lewis Hamilton, where Lewis Hamilton felt empowered to make calls and they weren't correct. And then obviously you've got Paul DeResta. If you remember Paul DeResta back with the Force India, where every single tire decision, he was saying, no, that's not the right decision. This is terrible. And I remember one race. I can't remember which track it was. His race engineer came on the track and said, Paul, we're thinking about pitting you. Your tires don't look great, but it's your decision. You to, and then he was out of the team. So, so I'm not saying that Red Bull and Max are in danger of doing that, uh, but now they have a new problem, which is uh, Verstappen is empowered to make those tactical calls. Alex, I think that was our point. I think that's what we were talking about. I was, uh, I was waffling long enough for you to remember what it is you were going to say. Um, no, with Max, I think he was, he was so desperate to stay close to Lewis and stay ahead of Bottas that he just wanted it, it was a bit Lewis of him where he's moaning about the tires like, I just want to be on better tires and um I think the problem was he had was it was like I'll overtake these racing points really really quickly yes but yeah. the problem is is trying to overtake racing points really quickly yes he probably would get past them quickly but he'd probably lose two three seconds in the process so it wouldn't actually be better for his greater cause especially because of how close it was between him and Bottas at the end of the race Michael Distelhoff in our live chat room says uh, give credit where credit is due um, Lambays 
shut him up soon enough. And uh, hello to our live chat room. The names I'm seeing flying by. Very busy chat room today. Uh, DJ, uh, M. DeLorean, Mike, Tammy, uh, Yorens, who says, shut up about your living room. And you're wrong about Max's comment. Hey, uh, Yoren Bones, is that a... Is that a Dutch name by any chance? I don't want to upset our Dutch listeners, man. I, I, I think that, that Max is showing he's not a star of the future anymore as much as the commentary said that last week. He's a, he's a mega, mega star of the present. Like, he's, he's insanely good. I'm just talking about how you manage now your absolute star driver when he's making calls. Although I'm not completely convinced that would have made a massive difference. Um, whilst we're talking about where the race was won and lost, I think Hamilton just had it. The whole Hamilton Mercedes package had this race from start. As soon as he was ahead on lap one, he he had the race. He could do pretty much whatever he wanted. Yeah, uh, that's that's hard to agree, uh, disagree with because I mean he just again like you said he turned it up at will laps ten to thirteen, ten to fourteen, put in four fast laps in a row after driving as slow as he wanted still not letting Max pass, and pretty much backing Max well up into his teammate who was chasing from behind, which strategically speaking would have been a good thing for him. Once it looked close enough, he's like, okay, guys, I'm out of here. And his job was done for the day at that point. I mean, mainly his job was, okay, I'll avoid all the back markers, which is everybody except for the top three finishers, by the way. And so in the end, you know, we were sort of trying to see whether, whether or not Bottas would be able to close that gap to Verstappen. I don't think Verstappen really had a chance. Um, and then some some differences in strategy between the two Mercedes. Well, I love that you brought that up because this brings us to our second where the race was won and lost. And that was Max's last stint on the medium tire. At the end of the first stint, the gap from Valtteri to Max was about one and a half seconds. At the end of the second stint, the gap from Valtteri to Max was about one and a half seconds. And at the start of the third stint, Max took six seconds out of Valtteri, and when he came out on that soft tire, Mm. he absolutely positively could not make it up. And the soft tire, essentially, for Mercedes, and this was a third place, the soft tire in the last stint did not work for them. And it did not work for them so hard that Lewis on the radio was like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not giving me any of that soft tire, young man. You go back and you talk to your superiors and you make me a better (laughs) offer. Oh, I love that. Um, did Lewis have foresight? Did he see that Bottas was struggling on those soft tyres? Or is it because generally this season, the, the soft tyre hasn't been a go-to race tyre? Like there hasn't been that, right, let's get in with 15 laps to go on the soft tyre and go. Nearly every race we've had so far, the soft tyre has been pitched at a level, whereas it's it's possibly the qualifying tyre, with the exception of last week's Silverstone. But there's no real strategic advantage to going back onto it. Van Gene. The temps were bonkers, oh, were they? and he's obviously aware of the track temperatures. Uh. And he's like, actually, I'm not going to use the soft tyre. No, thank you. I'd rather have the safety of the medium tyre that I know I can go on. Max is on the medium tyre. Why would I go on something different? There was an interview at the after the race with Toto, and Toto was a bit, was like, I'm so glad Lewis picked that tyre and argued with us because it actually might have put him under threat from Max, because Max was so quick on the medium. Yeah, and, and well, well, we've been talking about, obviously, Verstappen making that call. We're then going to praise Hamilton for making that call. And in fairness, Hamilton doesn't always get it right from the, the cockpit either. Uh, but when it comes to tyres and which tyres he wants to be on, he has, he's, been, 
he's been talking through it with the team enough and that it's been quite, quite a collaborative process we've heard over the team radio when they've been selecting tyres and the team have got it wrong a couple of times when he said, I wanted a different tyre. So I think this time when he went, nah, no softs for me, they ain't going to last. I think the team just just listened to him. Um, and look, look, and that's not berating, you know, saying Hamilton's better than Verstappen. Hamilton is older than Verstappen. Hamilton's been racing Pirelli era tyres longer than Verstappen. So anyway, come and yell at me. Spannersready at gmail.com. You can, you can yell at me for all my opinions that you think are incorrect, but be nice. There's no, just say that I was wrong and you disagree. You don't have to say, I disagree, but you're a knobhead. I actually think the performance of Max and the performance of Lewis compared to the rest of the field today yeah. was <laughs> a different level. Yeah. Max and Lewis were on the same level today. Just Max obviously doesn't have as quick a car. Um, but the way those two performed today was incredible compared to pretty much everyone else on the rest of the grid. Um, Max is the star of the future. Right. I know we have a strict one hour time limit that uh, if we may even do today, but we can talk about this topic uh, at quite some length, just the, the relationship, the, the radio between the driver and the engineer, the, the, the difference between providing feedback and being a pony and saying, I want this. And so um, sometimes it seems like the drivers are both like different drivers might be kind of saying the same thing, like, oh, well, I think I can make mediums work to the end of the race. And another driver might be like, no, the softs are the wrong thing, but like they're ultimately trying to say the same thing in the heat of the moment. And I think a lot of times we're overly critical of, of, of how we, uh, not use spanners, not in this instance, but like generally (laughs) overly critical of how we hyper analyze these, these radio messages. Yeah, we've got to, that's the drama. That's the the drama of these radio messages. I, I love, I love getting an insight into how that works, you know, um, with the whole Valtteri, it's James and in, uh, Hungary 2013, Nick. I don't know if you how into F1 you were at that time uh, when Hamilton was uh, uh, really pushing hard to defend quite hard against Rosberg, and they were on for a podium. So the the Mercedes tacticians were trying to get them to stop fighting, and in the end, Ross Braun had to come on the radio and go, "No, guys, t- seriously, have I got this wrong? Who was it? China. Malaysia. It was China." I said I didn't Malaysia. say Malaysia. Malaysia, Malaysia. Right. It was Malaysia. Malaysia, and it was Ross Braun. It was Ross Braun. Lewis, Sorry, Lewis won. Lewis won Hungary. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you're right. That's yeah. hard. Sorry, that's yeah. hardly the point. He obviously is. The point is, he's trying to make is very valid. I've definitely <laughs> heard Lewis. It's James, um, but. Uh, I've totally lost my train of thought there. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. It's the relationship. Oh, it's my deep. It's my deep. It's, yeah, don't worry. Like I said, like I said, if it goes wrong, it's my fault. I'm driving. I'm driving this aeroplane. I've got the steering stick, Nick. It's not your fault. That's how aeroplanes are driven, I believe, with a steering stick. Um, but look, uh, you know, we we see we see these relationships uh, with the engineers, and it's about trust and authority. So, at some point, the team principal is going to come on and go. This is Ross Braun, hold station so Lewis, who we paid loads of money for, can get a podium. That's that's what that was. Uh, sometimes, though, it's like the relationship me and Matt have, where we kind of know who's who's going to make a call in a certain situation. But sometimes we know that like a super insisting overrides who might normally do that thing. So whereas Matt might do the show notes and he'll do a thing, I'm like, I really want to go in a different direction with one and lost. And he'll be like, no, we're doing this. I go, OK, normally. But then he'll know if I sit there and go, dude, no, I really want to start with the Perez overtakey thing. And he'll go, OK, OK, he'll sense that. Oh, he really wants. It. So the drivers will have that kind of relationship with their their race engineers, Nick. 
So, yeah, generally the race strategist will make the call, but they'll trust Lewis enough to when he goes, when he goes, oh, no, 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 come on. This is like, I get like two of these a year where I get to over-Trump you. Yeah, and I I remembered my my point, which I'm going to bring up now, <laughs> is that I, I really thought uh, Martin Brundle was off base when he was making some comment that we should just like get rid of team radio. And I'm, I'm sure that I'm exaggerating it. And that's not really what he meant. Get rid of all the team radio, but I, I like getting uh, as much of the radio yeah. piped into the feed as possible. Um, and I would even love to, maybe I'll do this one day, just get the app and just do the onboard and just listen, just watch the whole race, like from, from one perspective, start to finish and just get that whole, all that information. I think it's, um, it's about expectation. So at the moment, the drivers know that some of the radio calls will get put onto, onto the feed. And if you're Lewis Hamilton, you probably know that more of your radio calls are going to get put on than Magnuson rolling around at the back. If you change that expectation and go, guys, you are effectively your broadcasters. Every time you hit that radio button, you are a broadcaster in an entertainment program. Expect what you say to be on the radio. You know, there's no privacy. It's just entertainment, Matt. Yeah, exactly. And and Hansink in the chat has put forward my idea, which is much like us in iRacing on Discord. Mm. The drivers should be able to talk directly to each <laughs> other while they are racing, and it should oh. all get broadcast because, oh my goodness, wouldn't that be entertainment? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had systems like that in our racing, in our iRacing tournaments, and we've done it live with karting now as well. Actually, it's, it's technically, it's reasonably difficult to do, um, but we've had our, our live karting commentary where we've then gone to, right, a live helmet cam, a helmet mic with Brad, and Brad's talked us through. <laughs> and I know, Alex, you weren't happy because he, he was on the stream and he was going, he was on the thing and he was chatting away. He was going, yeah, these are the challenges of this corner. It's hard to overtake here. Van Jean's defending really. Oh, no, hang on a minute. I've got him. Yeah, I've got him. Yeah, no, and then he and then he carried on. But yeah, having yeah, that was that was after he he went really really fast through a yellow flag to catch up about four. Oh, seconds. here we go. We're not having that argument again. Nick, rescue us before we have this time. argument again. But yes, you're right. Yeah, driver to commentary would be amazing if you could do it. You'd have to have a switchboard operator in the garage. I think would be the simplest way to make that work. But I, Matt, shaking his head. But how? slapstick comedy would it be if you know i won't even name a name but if a driver gets on the radio and says you you patch me through that other driver and they're like why what are you gonna say remember this is broadcast on live tv you're not gonna say anything that would get get us in trouble would you trumpets yeah no that's what i meant i meant the driver should be able to talk to each other while they're racing to get the people in the booth that doesn't matter imagine what imagine what (laughs) stroll would be saying as he was cutting his way past their mercedes imagine what got said to Grosjean I mean just like think of the fun no I no I understood your point I'm just imagining a switchboard operator connecting them from the garage like put me through to Hamilton and then someone <laughs> you're know, getting the uh I like it the rotary phone and <laughs> okay uh Matt uh one yeah. and lost is okay relatively simple on a on a race like this but you did make an interesting observation between the strategies between the one stop and the two stop yeah, I added a whole extra section without asking you called winners and losers because <laughs> okay, I knew you wouldn't have a problem with that. Oh, hang on. It needs a theme tune. It needs a hang on. Hang on. I'll, I can do this on the fly. I can do this. Winners and losers. Oh, it was too loud. Let me try again. Now it's not working at all. No, it's broken. That'll have to do. That was That's what that section sounds like now. That feels appropriate somehow. I think that's yeah. right on brand for us. Yeah. I'm going to move on to my section now, though. 
Um, it, it just occurred to me, uh, looking at the results, and I'm not saying I'm going to bother to do this every time. No, I was like, I was late. struck. I was like, wow, it looks like a lot of people finished where they qualified. So I went and looked, and here you go. Uh, shall we do losers first? Yeah, let's the be super negative. Loser. Yeah. It was Van Jean at Buckmore was... Park under that yellow flag. Yeah. And Van Jean at Buckmore Park under the yellow flags. After that, it's <laughs> our dear friend and show favorite, Alex Albon, who lost two whole positions mm. Mm. for reasons we can discuss later yes, having to do with Red Bull strategy. Our dear friend, Lando Norris, also lost two positions. And then everybody's favorite, Romain Grosjean, lost a whole position. And we can add Perez to that group, but only thanks to the penalty. Without the penalty, he finished where he started. Uh, okay. But with the penalty, he did technically lose one. So I included him because that's just the kind of way I do things. Okay. Um, and, and none of those seem really too terrible. The winners, Vettel, four places. Nice. One stop, by the way. Ricardo, two places. One stop, by the way. Alcon, two places. One stop, by the way. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on. The old ticker's yeah. working here. You've said one stop for all the people who gained positions. Yep. And all I'm going to stop doing that now, and I'm going to mention Verstappen, Sainz, <laughs> Gasly, and Magnussen. Although Magnussen was a one stop, too. Good. So you reckon the one stop was the way to go? One stop was the best strategy. Even though, uh, as we'll talk about with Vettel, mm. uh, Ferrari hardly did their best to help him out managing it along the way. There's a whole Ferrari segment, for sure, for sure, for yeah, sure. Van Jean, Van Jean. <laughs> One stop was the way to go if you were in a rubbish car with a half-decent driver. Basically seems to be pattern there. All the good drivers did one stop, and got further, except Perez, and got further ahead. Okay, brilliant. All right, tell you what, let's uh, let's move away from from one and lost for a moment. Um, we've got some talking points uh, coming up. Uh, we can talk about the the Albon strategy. Uh, right, I basically saw that as you know Max versus the Mercedes guys. Uh, I saw it as then Racing Point versus Albon as well, and then an interesting look at Ferrari, and then also like that great midfield scrap that was fantastic. And we'll just talk a little bit about um, you know. The, the race in general, the Barcelona Grand Prix, and uh, and where it stands in 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 F one legend and modern F one. Uh, let let's start with uh, Albon and what went wrong for him. So we've we've been we've been split on Albon. He's very popular. People seem to like him. He is clearly a talented guy. George Russell did famously now did that thing where he went on and said Red Bull are making him look like idiots. He's not doing anything wrong. He's brilliant. I really like him. So, come on, don't yell at me here. I, ju- I think we've seen enough this season to say that he's underperforming. It's not just qualifying. I think he's underperforming in the race. Today he got lapped. He got, it's a short lap, uh, granted. He had a bad strategy, granted. But he got lapped by his, his teammate who finished second. And he was miles off his teammate who won the Grand Prix last weekend. This is the very, very top. Matt's going, man, I can see Matt going mad in the background. Uh, we'll go to Van Jean first. But Van Jean, this is, this is the top. This isn't a playground. This is the very pinnacle of motorsport. This is, this is it. You don't get nearly a full season to show that you're good. If he was a striker in, in football, in the footballs, he'd be on the bench waiting for the best striker. To, he'd be waiting for Gasly to break his leg in the FA Cup semi-final so he could play in the finals. Albon would be on the bench now. Um, he's getting a lot of chances, but I, I feel now 
it looks like the chances might be running out. And lots of people are going to yell at me. You be the first of those people to yell at me. So you said we like Albon. Yeah. Lovely, really nice guy. Great, and a great um, talent. He's, he, he's fighty. Silverstone was great for fighting. Did yeah. You? Amazing overtakes. Um, but his biggest problem is qualifying. You can't be seven tenths off your, even if your teammate is Max Verstappen, you can't be seven tenths mm. off your teammate. You know, let's talk about the Mercedes for two seconds. Lewis Hamilton, greatest qualifier of all time, statistically. Bottas is still keeping him within a tenth, couple of tenths yeah, yeah, every yeah. single qualifying session and sometimes beats him. Um, Albon can't do that, but Gasly couldn't do that. The only person that actually ever got close to him was Daniel Ricciardo. Um, but he had no pace today. He, as you said, he got lapped and he has to pull his finger out. And if he had qualified fourth on the grid, which that car is obviously capable of doing, it could have been a very different battle yeah. today. Oh, absolutely. They could have got two Red Bulls in between two Mercedes today if Bottas had qualified properly. And well, 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 hang sorry, on. If Al, well. if, sorry, if Albon yeah. had qualified properly, but because he can't do it, it's what's affecting him. And because the midfield is so close in mm. Formula One at the moment, you can't afford to be that far off. You know, back in 2014, when the Mercs were so far ahead, Bottas could have... Um, Nico could afford to be yeah. half a second yeah. off Lewis, and it wouldn't matter. But he can't do that now. Okay, so uh, like I think you're right. Like if he'd have been in fourth place on the grid today, Nick, you know he could have got in there and he could have been the one uh, ahead of Bottas, affecting the affecting the the Mercedes strategy. Um, chat room before Nick comments, g- give me the the case for the defense because I'm looking for one. I want to see a case for the defense, Nick. Yeah, there would have to be some defense that is some sort of fact pattern that we don't have the information for. There would have to be something fundamentally different about the car. He's seven tenths off his teammate. Uh, Alex is absolutely right. Uh, you, you can't be that far off your teammate. And then if you looked at the times and in, in, in Q2, I mean, from, you know, like P3 to P10 is, is like eight tenths. I mean, seven tenths is an absolute eternity. It has to be better and uh, put Gasly in there, in my opinion. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Trumpets? Well, it's a good thing you have me on the show because <laughs> all of you are exposing your horrible ignorance about the situation of poor Alex here. First of all, he's a driver who's been, has not one, but two wins stolen from him by Lewis Hamilton crashing into him. Let's not forget yeah. that. And one of those was this season. Second of all, last week, as I clearly demonstrated with my excellent um, post-race review review of lap times, had Red Bull put him on a di different strategy, he would have been in for a potential podium last week at Silverstone. And let's not forget that when you give him a late pit stop and fresh tires, he will not be held up right. by all of those people, unlike <sighs> certain other drivers who drive Mercedes cars. But finally, I really do want to talk about today's race in particular. Now, okay. I'm not going to go too much in... So you just did like loads of points. So just let me address that. So you're going to go back to today's race in particular. Just to go back to some of those previous yeah. points. Yeah, of course. You know, all drivers are going to miss out on some stuff. I, I still feel like he's gotten in those incidents himself. Three incidents now that cost him places. That's partly on him as well. See how the season evolves. If that becomes a habit, because at the moment he's got like a hit rate of like, you know, 30% or something of incidents. Um, if, if, that, if that continues, then that's on, that's on him. But people are really quick to praise him for these overtakes and fight backs, Nick. And I'm just not willing to give him full credit for, oh, he did a great overtake on Gasly. So he shouldn't be there. Right. So I, I feel a little bit offended because I said, maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe there's there's facts that I don't have. Yeah. And then Matt turns around. And he's like, you're ignorant. You yeah. don't know that this, that. I know, that was rude. I don't, I, I don't understand how... Uh, he could have won a couple of races if he hadn't crashed into Hamilton or Hamilton crashed into him or whoever's fault it was, or mm. he might've been on for a podium here or there. What has that got to do with being seven tenths off your teammate in qualifying at Spain? Not a defense. Fangio. However, yeah. what are Red Bull going to do? Because what are they going to do? Give the drive back to Gasly, who also got annihilated by the same gap? Is and the question I keep asking myself is, is that Red Bull rubbish? Yeah. And Max is just absolutely out of the park phenomenal, which he may be. And and Albon and Gasly would get out what the car's supposed to get, and Max is getting more. Or do you end up swapping them over and then absolutely annihilating Albon's um confidence? Put Gasly in, who's obviously on a confidence high because he's doing really, really well in that white car, whatever it's called. White days. car's fine. Um, <laughs> one of six. <laughs> um, and then he goes up against Max, is also seven tenths off because that is what will happen. I don't see Gasly getting any closer to Max like he did before. Um, and I, I don't see the point. They've got to put somebody decent in, someone new in. Matt Franconian guy says, uh, what if the car just suits Max? Well, considering it was pretty much developed directly for him, yeah. that's not really a surprise. But a quick reminder before I move on to today's race. Yes, sorry. That Gasly was kicked out of that seat because the one thing he could not do was overtake sufficiently. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I get it. I you get know, it. He was finishing so yeah. much farther behind where Alvin is finishing. That's okay. why they that's what they liked about Why Alvin. did he not get so we're talking We're talking about today. Why did he get a rubbish but, strategy today? It's because in okay. a Red Bull Right in a Red Bull, the same Red Bull that Verstappen had, and he was like, "It's okay, put me behind the racing points. I'll just, I'll spank them. Not a drama. I'll fly over the top of them, boss. It's all right." 
Albon couldn't get past Perez, and that's why he ended up on the duff, hard tyre, potential one-stopper. Here's where I have a problem, is that I'm not sure what Red Bull's strategy was with Albon. I didn't see him really make any any um, effort to overtake the racing points in front of him, which made me wonder if not their original strategy was to go long or long with him and let him let him hang out behind the racing points and yeah. sort of race them on the second stint or race them on the third stint. But what I, I do want to make a quick side point about qualifying, which is he did qualify P6 for this race, yeah. which is better than he did at the previous race. Yeah, but, and that post-race, Horner is still talking about problems they need to sort out on their side okay. to help him. So yeah, maybe that's just PR boilerplate, and they're going to say that till they ax him in the middle of the night, uh, as they tend to do. But I don't get the sense that they have given up on Albon yet, so I don't think we should either. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up, but let's go to Nick first, then Vangine. He's seven tenths off his teammate. He's behind cars that got penalized for ignoring blue flags. Like he he did not do a good job in qualifying. And your argument is that he did, and I just I don't think that's right. And I think my answer to Alex is, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Put Gasly back in? And the answer to that is just yes. <laughs> Let's give it a go. Let's try it. I'm all I'm all for it. Guys, guys, just to be clear, Vanjin, like people have forgotten that Daniel Kvyat like exists. So just just to be clear, <laughs> Daniel Kvyat has not died in a, a, a biking accident. <laughs> you know, he's still there somewhere. Uh, oh, gosh, biking accident. I did see that MotoGP clip, by the way. That was uh, horrifying. Um, it's worth Googling that. I believe everybody's okay out of that. But, yeah. And uh, the Moto2 uh, one was bad as uh, well. Basically, one of those... Um, this is why bikes aren't... They're not real. They're witchcraft, right? One of the bikes, <laughs> the rider fell off. I think they're called riders. Or what are they called? Jockeys. The jockey, the jockey fell off. Projectiles, and, to be and fair. Then, and then the bike continued across the corner like a bullet, and then like went Nearly into killed Rossi. Jeez, went into Nearly, the leaders. If, if Rossi was a meter further forward, Rossi would be dead right now. I believe. But anyway, it's the Formula One podcast. No, 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 um, I, 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 no, no. It's also a Matrix podcast. If you if you do the slow mo of that, he did a Matrix style thing where he like Keanu Reeves did. He went backwards. He was like. Wow, as the bike went over. Uh, right, what were we talking about? Albon, um, Vangine, your, your point. Um, the reason Red Bull dropped Gasly wasn't because he was so far off Max. The reason they dropped Gasly was because he wouldn't overtake anybody. Mm. At least with Albon, he's going for the moves. You know, Silverstone was great and partly made even more great because of some of the amazing overtakes Albon made. Okay, it was a fast car overtaking slower cars, but he still went around on the outside of two, three cars around cops, which you don't do, which was still mega, mega impressive. Um, but yeah, so I don't think putting Gasly in is the right option. I don't think putting Fiat in is the right option. And I think what you get with development of particular drivers is Albon is quick. Albon is a fighty racer, so they work with Albon and push him forward. They won't change him mid-season. I think they're absolutely mental yeah. if they do. They give him to the end of the year, and then if they don't want him going forward, they put somebody else in. But it can't be Fiat. It can't be Albon. Um, sorry, it can't be Fiat. It can't be Gasly, because they aren't up to scratch either. You know, Danny Rick was never, ever that far off. Yeah. Max. You know, okay, has the car gone in the direction of Max Verstappen? 100%. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's gone in Max's direction and they have to deal with it. But unfortunately, that's the problem. Right. Which brings me back to today's strategy and why I oh, yeah. really think it's a terrible idea to look at how he did today 
and blame it on him because he started out this race with a new hard tire, a new medium tire, and four used soft tires. And when I say used, some of them had done a grand total of three laps. Yeah. And Red Bull chose to put him on the hard tire and not just put him on the hard tire, but pit him in such a way that he came out behind the battle between Ocon, Raikkonen, and Magnussen, who were all at the ends of their stents. And I cannot imagine a worse strategy call if you just dialed up a random stranger in Alabama and said, hey, I've got a race going on. What should I do now? And just did whatever they told you to do. It's just remarkable to me that they would pit him that poorly when he had these, he, he could have stayed on his tire and just rolled behind the racing points. Mm. It would have been an entirely different race for him. Why they chose not to do that yeah. is a mystery to me. So it's a real mystery. I guess they must have thought they were losing too much time. Uh, behind the behind the racing points, and they felt that maybe they could long run him on a one stop, and then when everyone did their second stops, suddenly he pops out in front of the racing points. That's got to be the thinking. Yeah, got but then why didn't they one stop him? Which was the better strategy because, anyway? Because they because do stop him once they one stopped him and realised it was a terrible idea. They then had to go. Oh, okay, we've got we've got to do something different now. I'm, I'm not saying he Which, wasn't. Look, I was arguing with Summers. Uh, oh no, they, they did the wrong strategy. Said Summers on Twitter. That's how he talks. Matthew Summerfield from uh, motorsport.com. Right. <laughs> what I said to him, I said, okay, let's give him the best defense in the world. Where without that bad strategy does he finish? And uh, and Summers' opinion was fifth or sixth. And that's still not really where we want him to be. Let's hope Alex Albon shuts us up. Maybe in the next th- four races, he shuts us up and, 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 and does start getting podiums because that's where he needs to be. I see if they ran him long enough and put him on the soft tire fighting, fighting for fourth and fifth position. Okay. But he, he would have done the same. He would have finished where he started or possibly improved his spot, which outside of Vettel, no one else did. Fangine. Fifth would have been good enough last year when you had a fully functioning Red Bull, a fully functioning Merck, and a fully functioning Ferrari. Yeah. But mm. there isn't. Mm. He needs to be fourth. <laughs> yes. The absolute minimum yeah. has to be fourth. If he's lower than fourth, he is completely underperformed. And I don't want to for want of a better word, crap on Alex Albon because I like the guy and I want him to do mm-hmm. well. But he just, I mean, qualifying is everything at the moment for him, it seems, and he needs to do it. Matt, it's a good point, Alex. Thank you. Matt, I'm going to ask you, a, it's a guessing game. I'm going to take a, we're going to change the tone here 17. just for a second. Oh, so close. When you f- hear the final answer, you're going to be kicking yourself. You're going to kick yourself. Uh, we're going to talk about Ferrari next. Because uh, Nick's here, and I just enjoy doing that, particularly this season. Uh, guessing game. So you you said seventeen. Bold move, bold strategy to to do the answer before the question. Guess how many people have jumped into our live stream currently? Now we're we're here. We're fifty minutes into the show. Uh five hundred. Okay, so last season we would have been delighted with five hundred. At the moment, two thousand nine hundred and ten people have jumped in to our live stream to speak to us. The new YouTube statistics are pretty good, actually, so I can I can see all this. We currently have 890 people concurrently in this stream, which is a massive, massive thrill. So I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who jumps in on our live stream. You can go to uh, YouTube and search for Mr. Apex Podcast. We're there. You, you, If you're wondering what the live stream thing is, you literally, you can do it on your phone. You, you'll see our faces, and then you have a little live chat room. And it's fairly well behaved. It's well moderated. Uh, we like the people there and uh, and it adds to the experience. If you remember, Matt, we lost the live stream one time on a show 
And I was panicking because it just wasn't the same experience. Yeah, I mean, we miss incredibly keen insights like Hassan Davis saying everybody is still missing the point that Albon has yet to have even a full season in Formula One. That's not turns out to be true. That's not true. What are you on about? Is that true? No, he's not had a full season. He's not had a full season in Red Bull. No, he's not in Red Bull. Oh, okay. Well, that's two different things. Yeah. Yes, I know. He's still new. But this this isn't, you know, this isn't F1 newbie driver school. This is the pinnacle of motorsport. I was quite surprised when I saw Nissani rolling around the track and he had a green learner flasher plate on. Now, I know that's been like a long-standing thing, but I'd completely forgotten about it. But you shouldn't have drivers who need a green flashy light in Formula One. If you still need to learn about motor racing, there's Formula Two, three, four, and I presume five and six. I don't five, know how six, the lower seven. Yeah, I don't 13. know how the lower tiers work. But you know, you shouldn't have a driver who's coming into Formula One. It should be you're coming to Formula One because you've proved yourself over hundreds of thousands of drivers out there. You are the best. You're now entering the pinnacle of motorsport. Deal with it. If you get in the way, it's your fault, and we'll chuck you out in your ear. Albon's only been here for a year, but really, shouldn't F1 be a sport where when you finally get to F1, you are at the top of your game. You know, you don't get to play for, who's a good football team now? A Barnsley really good. Is Colchester United still the best team in the world? You don't get to play Leeds for- got promoted. Leeds got promoted. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. God, I hate Leeds. They're the worst. Oh, I'm going back to my childhood uh, football days. I, I, I regret saying that, but in my defence, you're the worst. So you don't get to play for Colchester United without being at the very top of your game. So saying, oh, Albon's only been there for a year, only been in F1 for a year and a half, that it might be fair for the state of F1 right now, but I don't think it's fair, you know, in the context of what F1 should be. But that's not what I was talking about, Matt. We were talking about our lovely, wonderful chat room that's just gone over 900. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm nervous. That's, that's, that's almost making yeah. me vaguely self-aware. <laughs> I know. Thing is, though, with these figures, I predict that in the end, it'll say 6,000 people dropped into our live stream. Radio stations would kill for those figures in the current climate. So thank you for joining us. Um, the, they're our second favourite people. Our favourite people are our patrons, Matt. Yes, our patrons and our lovely community that oh. they have created. I mean, I feel like, you know, you'd like to say, uh, this, is, uh, this is our show, we've put it together, we've built it, we've curated it. And actually what's happened is we got all these people who like the show so much, they gave us money so we'd keep on doing it. And they have created this amazing community for us to at hang out in. At least 10 patrons have said to me over the course of this season that the community is the reason they're still a patron. Like, it's not even about the show anymore. And they've said, yeah. well, I or there was a couple that said, oh, I don't even listen to the show. I'm here for the iRacing. And, uh, and, and that's why they're patrons and that's why they're part of the community. Um, and we do try and do things because, because we love our patrons and they have invested in us, not just financially, but emotionally as well. So we did extra content during the week. It's not better content, but it was more relaxed content. Me, Matt and Catman, we actually did a, a live stream just for the patrons and we did a call-in show. We'll probably do a wider call-in show for everyone at some point, um, but we wanted to get the technicals and rehearse it. And that was really good, Matt. We had four great call-ins over the course of an hour. We did. And, and it just showed the, the, the difference with that community and why I love hanging out in our patron Slack group is because they're invested in that community. It's like having your own, it's like having a communal garden. No one wants to leave a, a Twix wrapper in the middle of it because then their garden is not as good. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when you go to the, you'll go to the beach and there are thousands, Twix wrappers everywhere. 
Yeah, it just, well, I don't know. Franconian guy distracting me by his comment. Seriously, I think it is also noticeable that you're giving everything you can and that you love what oh, you do and you. you know what you're talking about. And thank you. But really, the community that has grown up around this show is remarkable in itself. And the patrons, I just, I don't know, I can't get away from it. Like, you yeah. go to Slack, I'm like, oh, I have a question about this. And I go to the tech channel and somebody there's like, oh, you need to do these amazing things to your computer that you never would have found on Google. And instantly the problem is solved. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like the yeah. way they help each other out. It's just, it's ah, brilliant. It's, Low it's, Stealth it's says, uh, Miss Apex podcast, we like you. We like you more if you pay us. Correct. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. That's how we we operate. Yes, we do get some income from adverts, but the reason we're here, the reason you're enjoying this right now, uh, you might be going, oh, stop waffling about that. But the reason you're enjoying it right now is because the patrons support us. uh, Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Okay, Ferrari. Hey, Nick. How's it going, bud? Oh, good. I have quit that team and no. will not be sad no matter how hard you twist the knife. No, and I know. I, I trust you. When you say you're no longer in, in, emotionally invested in Ferrari and nothing I say can hurt you, I take you at your word. Let's talk about you just for a second. You are Nick Alexander. You are uh, a handsome accountant man. You understand numbers. That's why we call you Nick Numbers. Thank you. That's right. I complimented you physically. However, that doesn't mean you have more value as a human because I've rated you as aesthetically pleasing, it's simply an observation. So please don't take this as a, I'm not objectifying you, okay? But you are at Nick Alexander F1 on Twitter. You do a book podcast where what you do is you, you stack books in interesting formations and you turn them into like beautiful arches and you encourage butterflies to land on them, which is why your book podcast is called Butterflies Landing on Books. That is actually a perfect description of the bookstagram culture and uh it's called what's it about podcast it's been on a bit of a break i've been uh out kind of exploring the national parks around here stuff like that yeah um but i'll bring it back we uh we got uncle steve on there sometimes our video producer brilliant. which is you know usually a draw for our for our fans here brilliant go follow him uh, on that podcast called whatever he said that was called so um uh, vettel i think uh, yes, he was on the back foot a little bit from the qualifying performance, uh, but you've, you've got to rate his performance here. Seventh in what is a pig of a car in what is legitimately a midfield car. Four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel dragged that thing, seemingly against the will of his own team, dragged it to seventh place, um, is my driver of the day. Uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It is everything about that. He dragged it up there. He did great. My driver of the day. It is a midfield car. I'm just looking at the points. Uh, I believe going into this weekend, Ferrari were only two or three points ahead of McLaren. I think McLaren got tied it up today. Are they tied oh. in the constructors' standings? Um, but yeah, we talked about the the relationship between the driver and the engineer on the radio where, you know, some people may come off like they're complaining about their tires or they're questioning the judgment of the strategy department. Some people come off as more collaborative. And then there's Sebastian, who is completely all on his own out there and um, can't even get his engineers to tell him which if they're on plan A or plan B or or whatever it seems. Um, there could be more behind the scenes on the radio that we don't hear, but that was certainly the impression I got from the broadcast that it was Sebastian Vettel, chief strategist. I, I, it felt horrible. 
it felt horrible. He was clearly trying to to get them to make decisions, trying to get them to do stuff. Um, we don't know what's going on in the background, but from from that relationship, from what we've heard, especially last week as well, you have to imagine that behind the scenes, it's like properly, properly ugly. And Benotto dismissed. Uh, I think I saw Anil on Twitter, a uh, friend Anil mention um, that Benotto dismissed it as the 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 upshot of the disappointment of leaving the team. So basically saying that Vettel's kicking off because he's bitter about leaving the team. No, no one's loving Vettel at Ferrari. Still finished seventh. I don't know. It's pretty insulting. I, I mean, I think when people are leaving jobs in general, they might, uh, they might tune out a little bit, but um, it's kind of insulting to think that he would just stop being competitive. So, what I want to say about that statement is actually, um, I believe Bonato was referring to Vettel saying he was not going to work with the team on their future stuff and that it was understandable since his, he was disappointed at not being with the team next year. So I don't think he was really being critical of Vettel in the way a lot of people seem to be taking it. Good. Um, but I can't believe you haven't brought up Vettel's team radio. Go on. Because to me... This was absolutely positively the best part of the whole race. I mean, here Vettel is, clearly on the medium tire, possibly running a one-stop. He's cleared a lot of people who've stopped, and he's got some faster folks on fresh tires coming at him. And he, he goes to the team. He actually bothers to talk to the team. And he says, you know, I could use some guidance on my pace right now. And he was literally told, eh, do whatever. Mm. I mean, that's literally what they said to me. It sounded like the, the, it was an intern in the cafe on a cell phone, just giving him general advice. And then they do put him on the soft tires and they're like, push, push, push. And then four laps later, they're like, oh, by the way, uh, we know you asked us about being a one stop, but do you think you can now <laughs> go to the end after you've been pushing on these tires? Well, it was almost like, oh, well, uh, uh, crap, Leclerc's out. Uh, well, that's us pack it up, guys. And they're like, Derek in the strategy office, he's like, God, no, listen, no, you are, we cannot go home. Uh, sorry, sorry, all Italian listeners. Uh, <laughs> we've still got a car in the race. And they're like, we have? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, ask him if he can do a one-stop, Vangine. It's a bit like when they used to forget about Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they've forgotten is, yeah. about Seb. And all of a sudden, their horse is out of the race. And they're like, oh, okay, we might as well pack up and go, oh, hang on, isn't this a two-car team? Oh, yeah, what's he doing? Yeah. Oh, we've been telling him to push for 10 laps. Yeah. Um, but actually, we now need to go to the end. And uh, I, I, I want to say I feel for Seb, but I'm not a big <laughs> Seb fan. Um, and I also feel no. like uh, Leclerc still would have finished closer to the racing points. No, no, um, I don't. I, I think, right, okay. Okay, so t- two things there. So firstly, yes, with Raikkonen, they, people used to go, oh, look, they're, they're leaving Raikkonen out to hold up the Mercedes and, and go longer. They're sacrificing his race. No, they just forgot about him. And I think that's obvious now. <laughs> but... um I actually think Vettel would have beaten Leclerc today. I think he ended up still somehow on the better strategy. I, I really think that Vettel, with that new chassis, has kind of put some of the demons away from the previous five races. And he stood up there and said, I'm, I'm still a fast racer, despite the best efforts of the team. I think beyond, if he's got a good chassis now, I tweeted that last week, no way he's got the same tools, Alex. Given that he's now had a changed chassis and appears to be, if not on the ultimate qualifying pace, certainly still a good racing driver. I think he stood up today and said, short of literally cracking my gearbox open and giving me a terrible out-and-out number two car, I'm still here and I can still beat Leclerc. 
and Leclerc was saved the blushes today by whatever happened to his car. Seb is still a four-time world champion. And you don't become a four-time world champion for not being pretty damn good. And he's still going to be there. And to discount that for someone who's been in the sport for three years is pretty arrogant of Ferrari. But why Ferrari being arrogant? What a surprise. Um, You know, you have to keep two horses in the race when your second horse, even if he is your second horse who is leaving, is still a four-time world champion, especially in a season where you're struggling with your car. Let's get the maximum out of both cars and get some blooming points. Nick? And points are very valuable. So it's, uh, I'm the numbers guy. Somebody pointed out in the chat as well. But so Ferrari are fifth in the championship now. They're only one point behind McLaren and they're only another point behind racing points. So they can't exactly afford to just uh, not worry about coming mm-hmm. in P10, P9, P8, something like that. It, it's critical financially. Okay. So uh, if they weren't Ferrari, would we be talking about them today? If that wasn't Sebastian Vettel, if that was Leclerc and and uh, and Massa, I don't think we'd be talking about them today, Matt. At one point, I was I was looking at the the timing app, lap eighteen, I think, and there was five constructors before you got to a Ferrari name. They are a legitimate midfield team now. Nothing happened, nothing out of the ordinary. That's just where they are. Oh yeah, they're a legitimate midfield team, but I'd argue we'd still be talking about them because of all the people who made progress in today's race. Yeah. Vettel was the only one that cleared more than two spots. And you gotta hand it to probably almost entirely him, based on his radio conversations. He got the job done and he ran those soft tires. And this was interesting to me on the one stops, because the softs didn't work for about us on the two stop at all. Mercedes no. at the end of the yeah. race was terrible on the soft tire. For those who switched to the soft tire on their middle stint or did the medium soft one stopper, they actually all did okay with that tire. So worth considering, it probably had a lot to do with how hard they were running the tire because the temperatures on the track were all the way up to 50. And boy, does that bring back something that really bothered me. Go on. When uh, someone was complaining about their soft tire going off, probably Verstappen and Amazon chucks up a graphic saying oh there's 60 percent of the tire left and you're thinking no you utter disaster the problem is thermal the tire is overheating Mm. and it's totally lost performance and grip because it's turned into more of a liquid than a solid because it's a viscoelastic relationship the tire rubber has with the molecules in the asphalt and you're just ignoring all that okay that was boring um but someone sent me an interesting email I'm so sorry. Please, uh, spannersready at gmail.com. Remind me if this was you. And uh, someone pointed out that basically the, the AWS, AGS, the, the tire thing, which is garbage, is, is, is a commercial contract. So they've, they've paid to have their graphics up and their, their name up. Um, and the commentators have, have likely been instructed to follow that. Uh, we, we went into a lot of depth about this a couple of weeks ago. It's horribly distracting. Um, that graphic goes up and you go, Verstappen's fine. And it's it's, it's worthless. Um, Vanjie, come on. Yeah, I, I literally pay no attention to that when it pops. It's actually an annoyance when it pops up. I'm like, they don't know. They have absolutely no idea. It's based on it. All it is based on is Pirelli's prediction of how many laps a tire will do. Which yeah. the Formula One teams have proved in the past they can surpass those. And once was it correct? Which was at you know 
Silverstone a couple of weeks ago when tyres blew up. But apart yeah. from that, 90% <laughs> of the time, it's wrong. So I'm not blaming the commentators. They're, un- they're under contract and, and that will be part of their commercial agreement. In the chat room, somebody pointed out that, that Brondo Barry, hello, Barry, said uh, anyone else noticed Brondle's annoyance when Crofty talks about the tyre graphics? Yeah, that's because, yeah, I think, you know, Brundle's generally spot on when it comes to things like that. And I, I would imagine he would suffer fools and foolish graphics um, not gladly. I said that phrase wrong. Um, right, Matt, where, where are we? Where are, where are we in this show? I, I think we've got a week without a race review. And so next week we're going to have uh, just a normal news show. I think we'll, we'll pick up a, a lot of the, the midfield battle stuff because, um, you know, other, pod, other podcasts, they'll have just had their, they'll just about have got their race review out by the time we do our, our sort of uh, little mini break show on Sunday. Yeah, uh, and and there's plenty to talk about. For example, we have the new party mode rules. We exactly. have a loss of downforce being talked about mm. for next season. Really? Which yeah, we're okay, let, let, talking let, about Dylan. Let's not get into that. Let's get let's do that in the newsy newsy bit when we do that. And uh, and I'm sure we can uh, we can do another because we did the patron live stream. When did we do that? We did that on Friday after FP2. On Friday. Mm. Yeah. We could make a habit of that. I liked jumping straight on. I was in my shed watching FP2. I liked then jumping straight on and doing a little podcasting. So we'll have a little think that about that. Nice. And I still want my little and call-in idea. I still like the idea of having a dedicated call-in Mist Apex stream. I do I do love that. Mm. And maybe we might have some friends that we could get together with. Dave from Down the Pub? Yeah, Dave from Down the Pub. Oh, you mean people like Matthew Carter? Possibly, mm. yes. You mean people like Joe? Do you think Joe would do a call-in? Joe Saywood? Oh. <gasps> Don't know. Maybe, maybe he would. Maybe Joe came to your house. He'd do anything now. Okay, hang on, be steady. He came to my shed. Oh, came to my shed only. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm sensing a whole bunch of jokes that I'm not going to tell right now. <laughs> right. Let's leave it. Let's leave it there. Um, what I want to do is say that if there's any midfield stuff that we want to talk about, let's um, let's deliver that in the podium section of the show, and that's coming up right now. Hi guys, this is Mist Apex Podcast that you're listening to right now. I don't know why I, you know, it's not the radio. You haven't just tuned in on the wireless. It's a podcast that you're listening to or watching deliberately. But that's what it is. It's Mist Apex Podcast. We can be found on Twitter at Mist Apex F1. We can also be found on Facebook by searching for Mist Apex Podcast. Me and Matt, we're followable. Not just those two, not just Nick at Nick Alexander F1 and Alex Van Jean at Alex Van Jean. Me and Matt, you can follow us too at MattPT55, or you can be his friend by searching for Matt Trumpets on Facebook, where he just posts, literally, pictures of trumpets every day. And then... And food. And he says to people, do you like that trumpet? And then if you don't say yes, he attacks you personally, finds out about your family history, and insults those you love the most. But overall, I would still recommend adding you on Facebook. For a fee. I'll do the insults for a fee. There we go. Oh, someone said someone said maybe we should offer answer phone messages. <laughs> like we can leave your answer phone message. But that would be quite niche. It's like your answer phone message is a podcast that no one's heard of. You can follow me at Spanners Ready on Twitter and follow my Instagram. That's what I'm going to push today. Follow my Instagram. Search Spanners Ready on Instagram. The more people are following me, the more I'm using it. And it's quite good and it's quite fun. And it's not as quite as shouty as Facebook and Twitter. So I'm sort of enjoying it for the minute. So... Let's talk about the, the Spanish Grand Prix that we just watched, guys. So, as I said at the beginning of the show, 
you know, I had my my race ritual. I, I watched it. I, I kind of know Barcelona isn't going to be amazing. Um, but I enjoyed my two hours of, of watching F1, the drama of it, the radio, the, the racing, watching the live timing streams, that great midfield scrap, watching Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc with uh, with also, you know, Gasly bombing around by them and stuff and going, wow, you know, we're really watching like, you know, a, a window into 2023 F1. You know, we're seeing Lando Norris defending from Leclerc. Who else was in that in that mix? But you had Vettel catching them, catching them up too, Ricardo. Uh, in that battle as well. And you went, you know, there's value here. And I was arguing with some people on Twitter because because I got triggered, basically. I, I enjoyed the race. Then I went online to do all our social media stuff. And people were real, like, moaning, complaining, Alex. And, and I get it. I get it if you, if this wasn't your perfect race, I get it. If this wasn't exactly the race you wanted, I get it. If your, if your driver didn't and team didn't do amazing, I get that. And not every race is going to be a thriller. And and I I myself have argued that the, the cars have outgrown Barcelona. I've said that on this podcast loads of times. But just to just go onto Twitter with just this wave of negativity, it's coming from certain sources that we're aware from as well. There's there's just this F1 Twitter in particular. I know I'm focusing on F1 Twitter, but F1 Twitter just seems to have this big bubble of negativity. And it just kind of ruined my race. I went on there and I went, I'm not coming on Twitter again after after races because my high my buzz from watching the race has just been done in i don't know what wtf is the issue with things people at the moment um i think um i think people look at the race and go well there isn't a fight for the win therefore the race is boring and that's completely incorrect you know the fight we saw between a ferrari a mclaren and a renault today and then a white car tagging on to the end yeah. was was fantastic the racing the racecraft between those four drivers those four young guns in the sport who are as you said going to be part of us for 2023 and and beyond was absolutely fantastic mm. but okay yeah because lewis is galloping off at the beginning at the, at the front doesn't mean it's a boring race it just means you have to look at a different part of the racetrack to actually get the entertainment and to be fair for once the race directors did a really good yes. job yeah. but focusing on other parts of the race today um and i think it's 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 people expecting a crazy fight at the front okay is what's causing them to say the race may have been dull but one last thing spanners but um it's never been that way no. I don't know why people expect that to change. No, F1 has never been every single race, you know, guys scrapping up. Uh, you know, you, you tend to, you tend to, you have to endure, you know, a guy disappearing off for a couple of years. And as we talked about last season, you know, the regulations swing back another way and you get a sweet spot just in time for everyone to master the regulations. And then they change them in an inexplicably abhorrent way. Um, so it's it's never been the front five guys swapping positions. It's never been, you know, you can just go and watch bike racing. Like motorbike racing is like that a lot. And if that's what you want, brilliant, like crack on. Oh, you know, my dad made me sit through so much Moto GP and um, the other kind of bikes. Oh no, the super special super noodle bikes made me sit and watch that. Like I, I understand bike racing. It's fantastic. This is Formula One and, and it's never been how people want it to be or seem to want it to be. So what interests me most about this is that I, I'm looking back at my review and I realized that from Albon in eighth down to Fiat in 12th, every car was in DRS mm. of the car in front. So Vettel had created a train. And the only reason 
we weren't screaming about the race is because no one actually succeeded in making an overtake on that last lap. But you had the potential was there. I mean, it was it was this huge train of midfield cars, all in DRS, all with a chance to maybe make a pass. It didn't happen this time, but it's not going to happen every time because it's racing. That's the way it works. So I've got a theory. I've got a rolling theory that only people who are Sebastian Vettel fans um, think that the the race today was boring and terrible. So Nick, what did you think of the race today? Uh, I don't think it was terrible. I think it's pretty fair to say that it was relatively boring as far as the races lately have gone. I mean, it certainly yeah. wasn't as good as the previous race. That's fine. Um, I I feel like I've read a lot of the comments on Twitter and I've read a lot of the comments on Reddit. And I think you and Alex may be accusing people of saying things that they're not saying. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know that I saw people say, well, because Hamilton ran away with it and P1 was totally secure. Therefore, the race was boring. I mean, I, there, I, I, I do there, think I do think people said that. Okay, well, I, I, it wasn't just P1 that. though. There wasn't really anybody really changing station all the way back to P. Well, Six, hang on. I mean, it, uh, let's let Alex get in because I, I know you know. Obviously, we watch a lot of karting, and you you don't always get people swapping positions, but you can still have good racing. If Lewis Hamilton wasn't in the race today, and Max Verstappen beat a Mercedes for the race win, that would have been a classic Grand Prix. Yeah. Everyone would have been really, really excited that somebody had beat it had beaten the Mercedes, and that's that's the issue. It's a case of Lewis is that much better than Bottas at the moment um, that he manages to get extra performance out of the car. Max is that much better than Albon that he managed to get that much more performance out of the car throughout the whole weekend, let alone, let alone just the race. And it jades the perspective. If you take Lewis out, we've got a really close title. I think Matt, what upsets me the most is I think, you know, I, I am a middle-aged F1 fan. I can remember the before time. So to me, F1 now feels so much better. Like it feels so much better than 80s and 90s F1. I would have definitely swapped. You know, I don't have those rose-tinted glasses of the past. But I, I think also I didn't grow up with social media. I didn't grow up with Reddit and, and Twitter and Facebook. And these are all things that I was even late for my generation. I was late finding the internet on genuinely like dismissed the internet till 2008 going like, you know, what, what, would, you, what would you need all that for? It's fine. I just live my life. I know. I know. So I've tried to catch up since. But when I've enjoyed a thing in real life and then I go online to see what my peers well, and better than my peers and below my peers. When I look at what people are saying about F1 and they're just sucking the joy out of it, I go, what? why are you doing that? What? Why are you even watching? But j- just my advice to to the people who are really complaining about this kind of race would be, you know, F1 is watched over a season and it's watched over an era. And and even the Grand Prix where Lewis Hamilton won on three wheels, people and outlets were still complaining that it was only interesting at the end. And well, that's good enough. And maybe I'm showing my age now to go, well, you know what? If you have a sort of strategic 4D chess Grand Prix and then you have four amazing laps of drama at the end, that's amazing. That's a, That's great for me. I'll take that. But maybe I'm just out of step with with current times and and people want it to be explosions so uh, i i love that formula one you know chess is not mixed martial arts both (laughs) can be interesting to watch depending upon who you are so so you know your expectations have to be right but i have i have a competing theory okay or or maybe a complementary theory good which is that 
first of all, we should all take a moment and be delighted that we have any kind of a sport to watch at all right now. Number one, because, oh my goodness, it could very easily be that there is no racing at all this year. We could be rugby. We could be rugby where you're just not allowed to do it. Yep. And second of all, we've had three race weekends in a row. Normally, it's every other week we get to watch it. I think that people are just, there's been so much to watch in such a short period of time that maybe they're losing a little bit of perspective as well. We've not only had three weekends in a row, we've had three weekends in a row where one tires blew up, the other one three um, wheels we winner. had tires dying <laughs> yeah. and Max Verstappen winning a race. So yeah. you've gone from two crazy races to what is a normal Formula One race. Mm. So of course people are going to think it's boring, but yeah. and, you've got to look a little bit deeper. And, and let's just look forward to when uh, I'm a hypocrite next season at Monaco, because now I'm saying, oh, you have to temper your expectations for Barcelona. And then when it gets to Monaco, I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. This is terrible. That's the one race I do it. But to be fair, Monaco's a farce. Uh, Barcelona, the track isn't ideal for overtaking and that kind of wheel-to-wheel racing Hungary performed better with this uh, with this series of cars. However, uh, Barcelona Barcelona is still a real racetrack. It's, it's it's not optimal, but it's still a real racetrack. So just you know, I'm 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 preempting arguments that are going to come at me in eighteen months, Nick. That's how that's how petty and jaded I am. Right, and you you're always fair about uh, setting up long term arguments yes. and holding people to predictions they made years so, ago. So hold me to but that. I guess. <laughs> If you if if we can agree if you if you thought today was boring and you can agree that they can't all be you know the, yeah. the race of the year they can't all mm. be the sen- the seventieth anniversary Grand Prix or whatever it was called I mean if Spain is not the greatest year after year after year at, at what point would you Spaners be willing to entertain uh, holding a Spanish Grand Prix at a different circuit in Spain and, and giving that a try. Oh, 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 oh. Because- yeah, my, my answer is now. No, I've, yeah, now. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've said, I've said, I've long said that we've outgrown Barcelona. My general point from this really is just because you had a race that you didn't love doesn't mean you have to dump all over it and just become like a succubus of joy. Alex. Sorry, outgrown is the wrong phrase for the circuit. It's not like it's not like this is a small circuit. The reason this circuit is difficult is it is such a high aero dependency circuit that when you have such high aero cars, it creates an issue with the wake. It's so it's not we haven't outgrown it, but it's just a case of it's always a difficult circuit to overtake on okay. because aero is so key. Nick. Okay, just a small point because we are coming up against the 60 minute strict time mm, limit. Yeah, I we believe, are. Yeah, no, that's true. I think part of Part of the reason, too, was that qualifying didn't really pan out. It kind of had potential. A lot of people didn't improve their their second runs in, in Q2 or Q3. So I think there was kind of like a little bit of a rolling disappointment from Saturday is all. And that's that's the end of that's all I yeah. have to say about that. No, that's, that's fine. And, and look, a lot of boring F1 races are made interesting by a well-timed safety car. We didn't have that. A lot of F1 races are made interesting by... Uh, a close wall that is hit. We didn't have that today. A lot of F1 races are made interesting by rain. Can we stop doing weather forecasts in F1? If it rains, it rains. God damn it. Just leave it there. And a lot of times in F1, qualifying, as Nick says, goes haywire and we get cars out of position. And that gives us an interesting race. We can't complain when F1 does exactly what it's supposed to do. It qualifies the fastest car and the fastest driver at the front 
and then everyone behind it in order. There was no crashes because everyone did well and there was no safety cars. Uh, the walls and the runoff areas did their job to keep us, uh, to keep all the cars and drivers safe. And we had perfect weather. We can't really complain when everything goes really well, Nick. Yeah, well, I thought we were going to get a safety car when Leclerc spun. I was really hoping <laughs> for one. I didn't really know what the implications would even be, but it would have been nice. And we should have got one because Leclerc took his seatbelt Yes. He sp- so the engine died on him, rear wheels locked, and he spun. Okay, um, that's what happens when your engine dies, your rear axle completely locks. And so the spin wasn't his fault at all. Mm. He sits there and he's trying to figure it out, and he's trying to work it. And it's double wave yellows. Um, he's then thought, oh, okay, race is over, has undone his seatbelts. Then he's been told to try something else, has tried it, and fired the engine up. And these cars generate three, four G under mm. braking. So sitting in these cars without um, your seatbelt on is mega dangerous. So the fact that his belts are off, he should have driven straight from the last corner where he was straight into the pit lane, but he didn't. He drove down the straight and did another lap without seatbelts on. How he has wait, 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 hang on, hang on. What he did a lap without his seatbelts on? Yeah. I didn't know that. Nick, yeah. Nick, he went around the rest okay. of the lap without his seatbelts on. Right. What I would, I would even argue Alex's point. Should he even un? with his seatbelt undone, even drive directly mm-hmm. to the pits, do no. not pass go, do not collect $200. He should have maybe thrown it in reverse and backed further away <laughs> from the track, but there's, there ought to be a rule. And yeah. there probably is that says once you begin to uh, exit the vehicle, you exit the vehicle. There definitely is a rule. Uh, spare steward, at spare steward, who is ex-fake uh, uh, Charlie Whiting. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, Mark McArdle, uh, who's annoyingly fast in a, I racing car, by the way, he suddenly popped up in one of my races and I was like, oh, I'm going to get that, the fake Charlie Whiting guy. No, he's proper quick. Um, yeah, so at Spare Stewart, I think he is on Twitter, highlighted the rule there um, and a good debate on that thread. Guys, let's give out some awards. Let's start off all positive and fluffy with our thing of the weekend award. We're all in a safe place. Everyone, come on, everyone, gather round, tell your stories. No one's going to judge you here. Nick? This is a safe place. The good thing for me, which you yeah. already said is a safe space. Yeah. You can't be mad. Ooh, Stroll's well, launch from the start. <laughs> I'm not mad. I don't hate Stroll. I don't hate Stroll. I will change my mind on Stroll when the evidence changes. And on the evidence of today, he did a, a good start and he was actually great in turn one. And he did a robust defense of Sergio Perez and he didn't get a penalty for a blue flag, which Perez did. So I'm not going to disagree with you, Nick. Right. And he has gotten some flack for his good starts in the past because he was not qualifying <laughs> where the car should be. Yeah. But this time the car was where it was supposed to be. And he still did the good launch. So he did the good thing. Fair play. Um, Alex, you actually think Perez, um, sorry, Stroll is now better than Perez. No. That's exactly that's, what you <laughs> trolled me with on WhatsApp okay. all so day. My opinion on the Perez Stroll thing is, was magnified by the performance that Hulk put in the last two weeks. The fact that Hulk came in and very, very quickly overtook Stroll, I think makes Perez look less good than he is, than he than we perceive him to be. Maybe I judge Stroll too heavily, and I don't think he's good enough. And maybe I judge Perez too highly than he actually is. But I think there still should be a bigger gulf between 
the racing points than there actually is. Okay, good. Um, um, everyone go on mute. I'm going to speak for 25 minutes. So... <laughs> uh, Can I have my good thing before we go into this? No. Uh, so, I would just say, look, Perez had um, an injury in Hungary. He was off for two weeks. He's come back in. He's out-qualified Stroll. He looked faster than Stroll in the race. He was definitely attacking him. Or you could say that Stroll was managing that gap. Um, without, with You can't even say that without the penalty, Perez would have used his tyre-saving ability to finish ahead of Stroll because Stroll was really denied the opportunity to go and attack Perez because there was no point because there was a five-second gap. Get within a few seconds and, and and you're ahead of him. So you can't do anything but say Stroll, you know, he, he did the best possible he could today, this weekend. I don't think it says that much about Perez. He was unlucky with that penalty and uh, he was unlucky. Obviously, I think he's, I think, a criticism of Perez, I think he is overly cautious uh into turn one in general like he would rather let a few people go by him and then make that up later in the race okay so i get all that i, I think it was churlish of you to be trolling me all day in whatsapp saying that basically stroll and perez are the same we will we will speak in november but i don't think it's going to pan out like that i think perez will comfortably outscore and outperform uh stroll over the season for me at the moment my only point is I don't think mm -hmm. Perez is as far ahead of Stroll as maybe I think he should be. Fair. As I said before, that's probably me holding each driver yeah. in regard, maybe higher or lower than I possibly should do. Um, but yeah, in November, I'm wholeheartedly happy to say, well done, Perez, <laughs> for destroying Stroll. But I do feel like Perez needs to destroy Ooh, Stroll. No, no. I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like he's just going to beat him. I feel like he, like Russell has to do with his teammates. No other... I feel um, like he has to destroy Stroll. Vanji, no um, other driver is being set this task of having to destroy their teammate. Well, but okay, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Max but, is doing it anyway. Yeah, okay. But Matt... So um, <laughs> which leads me to my thing of the weekend. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Matt's about to make a point. Matt, uh, Perez, uh, Stroll... If we're going to damn him with faint praise, he's not as disappointing as he's been over the last five seasons. If you're going to spend five seasons doing a thing, even if you weren't brilliant at it to start with, you're going to improve with coaching and with some basic ability. Point is, obviously, other drivers wouldn't have got that opportunity. So if we're going to say Stroll is less bad than previous seasons and even quite up to general F1 standard, I'm happy with that. Kind of makes you wonder what other drivers might have done had they be been afforded that <sighs> indulgent a treatment. Man. But where I want to go is simply simple. Yeah. Um, there's a reason Perez got a one-stop strategy and Stroll didn't. Go on. Because Stroll still can't manage the tires to that yeah. level. Yeah. And if there's one thing that makes for the best Formula One drivers right now, it's the ability to manage those tires. And I can mention Lewis Hamilton, who was barely a tenth ahead of his teammate in qualifying and yet crushes him regularly in races. And it's almost always down to the ability to manage the tires. We heard the call. Perez, manage your slip angles. Yes, we all know what that means. tires are yeah. overheating. Van Jean, what's your thing of the weekend? My thing of the weekend, and I haven't done this in a while, so I'm going to revel in it, okay. is Lewis Hamilton. Hooray! I, he was peerless today. Even though how good Max was, Lewis was absolutely phenomenal. He didn't even realise he was on the last lap 
where he says you that. Know, when it came to no, him, he was in his own. No, I'm and... not. Alex, I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Lewis is. Lewis is. A... I'm not saying I bought it, but it's what he said. Lewis is a performer. Lewis loves the drama of it. Oh, oh, I was doing so well. I didn't even realise on the. I was on the last. It's basically Ron Burgundy with the the weights, isn't it? He goes, oh, I've lost count. I did so many bicep curls. That's what that was. I'm not buying that. But anyone who can doubt that Lewis is on a different plane today um, is, it wasn't watching what we were watching. The fact that Max was having a go at him for going too slow. Max knew the game. Yes. Max wasn't stupid. No. Max knew Lewis was just going very, very slowly. And then all of a sudden he pulled the pin. And it wasn't the fact that he pulled the pin by half a second. He pulled the pin by a second and a half. Yeah, lots. Yeah, That's, that's how much Lewis had today. And where you could normally attribute that to the car, yeah, Bottas didn't have it. True. So Matt, let's move know, on. Matt Trumpets Lewis is my boy. Well done, Matt Trumpets. What's your thing of the weekend? Vettel, Vettel's race. <sighs> Damn it. Sorry, sorry. I mean, it just it was. He gained more positions than anyone. Uh barely helped out by. You can hear the in the background. Yeah, is that an ice cream van? Uh, no, it's it's some massive piece of construction machinery backing <laughs> okay. up outside my no, window. No worries, no worries. Uh, so yeah, Val, uh, that's a fair shout. Yeah, it just like you know they gave him the new chassis, they gave him no other help, and despite all that, he managed to get a pair of soft tires to last as long as anyone. And on the one-stop strategy, he was the only one who made that kind of forward progress. Mm-hmm. He's not a four-time world champion by entire accident. Is kind of what I'm saying. And given all the difficulties, he's maintained a pretty pretty good attitude about things overall. So. Hats Good. off to him. Good job this week. I am going to give my thing of the weekend to Red Bull. Uh, when the rest of the field, and I know it's a short lap, when the rest of the field is getting lapped and trounced, Max Verstappen and Red Bull are in the fight, forcing uh, Mercedes' hand, and well, he's, he's, beaten, he's beaten three out of four Mercedes in the last two weekends. So in the last two weekends, Nick, he's had the opportunity to beat uh, Hamilton and Bottas uh, twice and he's beaten Bottas twice he's beaten Hamilton once pretty good right and so on that topic also the pit stop time I believe Max had a 1.9 and a 2.0 for his two stops yes. I mean wow that is yeah. fast and crucially that did put them out in front of cars that they might otherwise have been stuck behind Van Jean talking about pit stops does anyone watch it like pit stop and go oh that's a bit slow and then it's 2.3 <laughs> seconds and you're like oh i have a really high expectation of how fast the pit stop should be yeah because yeah 1.9 and 2.0 is just bonkers lewis had a slow there's a couple of slow pit stops didn't only four seconds yeah, four, four and a half second yeah. pit stop didn't he yeah well there we go well he's, he stopped to like let them know how it was going you know that's the kind of race he had Lewis Hamilton took a sip of tea. Completely, completely in control today. So that's enough positivity for now. Let's uh, slate people uh, with this award. Oh no, you missed the apex. Okay, let's hurry it up a little bit, guys. A little bit more quick fire here. Nick Alexander, who missed the apex for you? Can I just? I'm just going to keep trying to say things that I think might make you mad. So I think Checo ignoring oh. blue flags. I think he missed the little LED lights. I mean, you just have to move over. If it flashes right there on your steering wheel, you see it. You're looking at the thing all the time. Uh, you might look at it in FP3 and crash into the back of somebody or, or throw it into the wall to avoid it. And uh, there's just no, there's no excuse to miss that. And he lost out to his teammate 
as a result. I mean, he, he uh, okay. Did. Well, firstly, very sad that your debut is your last show here on uh, Miss Apex Podcast. Uh, the only defense I will give for, for Perez is I can't remember the last time I saw a penalty for blue flags being ignored. And then in this race, we've had two. So they've kind of got three. Was that three? No, two. Two or three? Two. So they've obviously got a bit of a, you know, a trouser bulge about blue flags in this race. And they've gone, we're going to make a point about blue flags. And I think Kvyat and Perez were the victims of that. I think it's also because cars that aren't used to getting lapped yeah. got lapped. Perez's big argument about it was, well, I was trying to actually let Lewis go at a bit that would cost him and me the least amount of time. <laughs> yes. Because uh, I Whereas think he wanted just to let him out the pass way, before yeah. the chicane, which would have been terrible for both of them. Um, so he wanted to let him go before turn one because that's where they lose the least time. In his defense, he was in P4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Matt. And if we're being fair and read the steward's document, you would see that it was from turn six to turn one of the following lap. Oh, no, Matt, Matt, oh, you, you're cutting out, Matt, you're cutting out, you're getting, it's a bad signal. Uh, oh, you're back now, just in time for uh, your missed Apex Award. Who gets that? I think Red Bull for album strategy. It just, it baffles me. They, they could have put him on different tires. They could have pitted him in front of the battle that they put him out behind. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me why that happened. Uh, Alex, who missed the apex for you? Hmm, I have two. I think I'm going to go with the worst one is Albon. You can't be seven tenths regularly off your teammate, especially a track like this where it's so hard to overtake. Mm. You just can't be that far. You need to be the wingman for your teammate. Red Bull could have split the Mercs today, and they didn't because Albon was seven-tenths off his team. Okay, firstly, before. Red Bull did split the Mercs, but I get your point. Your point stands. Uh, Sorry, of, yeah. both Red Bulls right, yeah, yeah. could have split the Mercs today. Yeah. Uh, but also, that's going to, you know, this isn't the last Barcelona-y track. You know, if people are upset now that Barcelona wasn't thrilling, they're getting awfully excited about Imola. I think you're going to be... Might be slightly disappointed Russia. at Imola. Yeah, Let's do it, Russia. Yeah, we've got two races. At, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> that that certain media outlet's going to go absolutely nuts over that that fortnight. Um, and then we're going to go to Portimao. Uh, we, we have no idea, you know, what that kind of what that track's going to be like. It's a massive circuit. They should it? be okay. overtaking there. Isn't it, and now- there is a country mile long straight. <laughs> okay, okay. They should be overtaking there. So in those tracks, though, where it is hard to overtake which we will have uh, this year and this season. Uh, Nürburgring. Nürburgring might be challenging. The Nürburgring GP circuit might be challenging to overtake. It's quite narrow. We all have fond memories of it, um, and we like it when racing Formula Renaults on iRacing. But it's, you know, I don't think maybe F1 tracks, it'll be quite Barcelona-y as well. And you're right, Albon does need to be up there. My Missed Apex Award uh, has to go to the Ferrari Pitwall for just, just out loud not caring. Like, if you're going to... If you're going to do it, don't do it so blatantly. Like, there's plenty of ways you can sabotage a driver you don't like. You don't have to out loud just disrespect him in that way. Um, I, I hope they're having a meeting at um, uh, wherever where, where do where do Ferrari live? Rome, Marinello. No, I think I, no, I think it's the Colosseum in Rome. I think that's where that's where they they do all their their garaging. Um, I hope they're having a meeting about how that looked because it looked terrible. It looked bad. And there's a there's a whole two thirds of a season left with that driver, and I think they need to do a little better. Pony awards? Have we got a pony? Hang on, I'm, I'm sure we've got a pony award. Hang on, I've got I've got to press the button though. Don't jump the gun. Daddy, I want a pony, and I 
Get it now! Pony Ward Van Jean. My peanut, my po, my pino, my pony. What was Mist Apex After um, Dark. <laughs> yeah. My pony goes to Nico Rosberg <sighs> because oh, on the grid, yeah. Martin Brundle <clears throat> was talking about tactics mm. that drivers take against their teammates and called Nico Rosberg on the Monaco driving down the slip road thing. And I can't remember Nico's exact words, but it was basically on the lines of don't talk about what you don't know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we all know Nico. You drove down the slip road on purpose to stop a qualifying lap for your teammate. Um, it was very, very telling that he was like, no, 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 no. Please don't talk about that. Great. <laughs> I think that's good. I think that'll do for ponies for now. You could point at Max, uh, but I, I think that would be harsh. Matt? I don't. No! I think, oh, I think it's entirely... How many times have we lambasted, okay, mentioned Lewis for the exact same sort of behavior? He was whining on about his tires. Yes, he drove a great race. Yes, he won last week. Yes, we all love him. But fair is as fair does. We have to at least mention him at this point. Narrator voice, Spanners checks the demographics for the last episode's uh, worldwide listenership figures. I think Max was fine, and you are wrong for saying that. How dare you, Matt Trumpet. Good. That leaves us with one award, Matt. And that is for our live stream, and that is for... Comment of the Week. Comment of the Week. Give us, Matt, I'm going to restrict you to 27 nominees today, but you have to go through them quickly. Uh, and allow me a slight pause to make an interesting and or insightful comment in response to that nominee. Fair enough. But as always, we start out with those who gave to us so generously in the super chat. I Hammer, Marcio Gonzalez, Cassio Rocha Vermins, and Damian Lawrence, thank you very much for your kind support. If you don't like to use super chat, I believe you can go to the website where there is a tip jar. Missed or Apex. if you yeah. are feeling particularly generous and are not already a patron, you're always free to do that as well. Patreon. However you support us, we appreciate it. Thank you. Patreon.com forward slash Apex or MissedApexPodcast.com forward slash tip jar or MissedApexPodcast.com forward slash buy stuff if you want things that have Missed Apex graphics on them and then you will get a thing in return for your money and we will get a small amount of that money. And yes, we do like money. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. That's why we like it. Matt. All right. We will start with our favorite Doom Whale. It was a she shed, he shed pun because, in honor of Nick Alexander, who is on the show, Nick's here. Can't argue it. Uh, John O'Huber is in with Haas accidentally switched on the Ferrari 2019 spec fuel flow, which, funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like Mark Greenhow discussing motorcycle riders says they are appropriately called organ donors. That's a harsh bit, but true. No, that's way too harsh. That can't okay. win. Uh, the Da Vinci 1998 says bring Kubica to Red Bull for 2021. And yes, I said his name differently because I felt like it. Oh, okay. I, I don't agree. I think we did that plot line. And finally, our friend Lauren Christ is in with the potentially racist. It's hard for the Ferrari strategist to examine the computer and click on buttons when they are using their hands to talk. Oh man, nothing makes you more nervous on a live stream than when your co-host says, hey, I'm going to read out this potentially racist thing. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're lucky it was just an offensive stereotype. So, I don't know, that's Fair kind enough. of borderline. Who's the winner, Matt? 
I, I think it has to be Lauren Christopher. It's hard for the Ferrari strategist to examine the computer and click on buttons when they are using their hands to talk. Under protest, we award that. Comment of the week. Miss Apex Podcast would like to distance itself from the comments of Matt Trumpets. And, uh, uh, what, what? I'm just, I'm covering my In Matt Trumpets defense, he is an old white guy. He's just doing the best he can. <laughs> old, old white guys be old white guying. There we go. Apologies to all the old white guys listening. Ah, oh, it's taking a bad turn. Thank you for tuning in to Miss Apex Podcast. Tell your friends, please, that you enjoy after a race tuning in and watching these guys chatting from a shed. Um, you can direct them to mistapexpodcast.com. It always has our latest video and uh, and audio version ready. Just to click play. So if you share that link with your friends, mistapexpodcast.com, uh, they, they have it instantly. Two clicks. Click the link you sent them and click their choice of audio or video. Um, you can follow us. Uh, I'm at Spanners Ready. The show is at Missed Apex F1. Alex Van Jean, he's there. Follow him at Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. There we go. I think that's a derivative of a Dutch name you've said in the past, Alex. So it was Van Jen, Van Jean, Van Jen. Van Geen. Van Geen. There we go. Van Geen. I like that. But and now, also go to my YouTube. I'm going to be streaming live straight after the show. No, don't, because I'm going to be drinking Jack Daniels and playing shooty gun games and saying horribly <laughs> offensive things. Please don't tune in. So uh, we've also got Nick Alexander at Nick Alexander F1, and his podcast is called What's It About Podcast. I got yes. it right. I got it right. What's it about podcast.com. Okay. Yeah, go go follow him doing that. And Matt uh, is at MattPT55, but primarily he would like you to follow his wife at A Weaver Writes, who is not only an excellent author who writes smutty books that you might enjoy as a family. Uh, no, not a family, as a couple. Definitely said that wrong. Not as a family. Uh, but also, Amanda is a, a good follow on, on Twitter. She's very passionate and articulate, Matt. Yes. And occasionally, when she's talking about costumes and clothes, is thoroughly informative as she is an expert on that stuff. Awesome. Well, we will see you next Sunday, definitely. And we are going to have Brad and a, a special guest on to talk about some racy, racy car stuff. Uh, and we're going to try and catch up with Matthew Carter as well in the week, uh, the Lex, the ex-Lotus F1 CEO. And we're going to try and put a, uh, a Patreon podcast live stream together as well. But wherever you see us next, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.